This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Geology Final Cast. My name is Steve. Hey everyone, this is Chris. Hello, this is Jesse. Nailed it. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> good. It's two weeks in a row. Yeah, no, I'm basically a pro now. <laughs> 136 episodes <laughs> yeah. in, we are firing on all cylinders. Here we are. I think now Jesse has a 1% success rate. This is great. <laughs> yeah. You got to start somewhere. There you go. Well, welcome everyone to the Geology Flannel Cast, the premier geology podcast out there. Uh, hope everyone's doing doing well, enjoying uh, this lovely May day that uh, we're recording this. And uh, I don't know, I got nothing else to say. Yeah. Welcome. Thanks for thanks for stopping by. Sounds good. It's Thanks. my birthday in four days. Oh wow! All yeah. right. I'll, I'm going to be. I'll, I'll think about you. I'm going to be at a cabin in upstate New York. At a boy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, thanks. <laughs> I'll be thinking about you. I'm not, not sure I'll take that's that, but I appreciate sure. it. It is. Listen, Jesse and I shared many a cabin in the woods. We did. In a, a lot of them in upstate New York. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, so what are we talking about today, gentlemen? Well, I talk about the what has been termed the habitable trinity. Are you familiar? Uh, no. I no. I'm you know just no. I'm. Not. <laughs> is this, is this kind of like the, the the Goldilocks area, like near kind of, near yeah. the sun? <clears throat> A yeah, little bit. Uh, yeah. So. I'm going to talk a little bit about aliens. Okay, sweet. We yes. just got done talking about the Taos hum. So it's yeah. been a while since I've talked Great. about aliens, though. Yeah, yeah. we I talked about like... it last week. Did I? Ah, oh, shoot. Aliens, the Taos hum. Yeah, I didn't realize. Oh, I did talk about aliens, but like legitimate aliens here. Oh, okay. Not like the underground base underneath. Not, uh, yeah, not <laughs> like the underground. <laughs> like <clears throat> actual. Yeah, that's guarded by Sasquatch. Carry on. Yeah. So, um, so when we look for life in the universe, right? Or if we're, when we're looking for planets, what do we look for? Oh, to look for life. Well, this is an interesting thing. Ah. Um, you, we don't know it. Like, well, there's, well, where is everyone? Hold on a second. Cause Carl <laughs> Sagan had a great point. Um, and he says, do you like, think of like we know of earth how close do you have to get to earth before that you can like see life and so the answer this, is pretty freaking close this is a great that's a great point that's yeah one of the big questions is like you know <clears throat> yeah how close do you have to get before you have to realize like oh the green stuff's a forest and mm -hmm. that's a tree mm -hmm. and then think about how even much closer you have to get before you see like <clears throat> living organisms macro organisms and then micro organisms and yeah yeah and you zoom in closer and it's you know tom hanks lost on an island with sos on the beach but what but we 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 do look for this or we do think about this when we so we we look for exoplanets right planets outside of our even even when we look for planets in our own solar system we we, we know we're not necessarily going to find what are the main thing we look for when it comes to looking for habitable planets or planets that may house life? Mm -hmm. you, you know what the main thing we look for? What's that? It's water. Mm. Because it's water. Or, if you're from Delaware County, you call it water. 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 W-O-O-D-E-R. That's I'm pretty sure that is in the like the NASA write-ups. <laughs> it's a habitable planet. With it's got water. <laughs> uh, so, because water is is like the because when we think about life, right? Life is the only life we know is on Earth, and so we have to we just go by what we know. 
And the only constant with all of life on earth is water. You don't need oxygen. You don't need light. You don't need, you know, temperature can be all over the place. Acidity can be all over the place. But you know, what's fun about this fact though. Yeah. I love talking about this stuff, but um, when you look at all that we know about life, period, it's from one data point. Mm-hmm. So yes, not good science. And if you ever conducted <laughs> a scientific study and just had one data point and, and tried to, uh, you know, tried to push uh, those ideas. This All I'm going to talk about today is one data point. Sweet. Well, that's all that we have, though. That's why this is like such a such a fun topic to talk about. Because good, old good old Earth. It's all based on one data point. Yeah, it is kind of crazy um, when, when you sort of start thinking about it. So we, we look for water. Uh, and so, you know, Kepler, the Kepler mission, which was the satellite um, that I think is no longer operational, but it's the one that it's the main one that found. Yeah. Yeah. But then people all, are just sit, uh, they're, they're sifting through all the images. That yeah. Looking like for the images. Yeah. So it was using what's called the transit method mm-hmm. where it, you would you would focus on a star and then if the luminosity of the star changed like if it dimmed a little bit something passed in front of it it's kind of like if if you're staring at a if you're looking in you're in a room and there's you know someone walks in between you and the lamp the room will get a little bit dimmer for you because they're blocking the light from the lamp well we can we the collective we humans not me personally yeah uh yeah it was by the way it was as of march 2020 kepler was uh transitioned into archives so it started in 2009 so it ran for about 11 years it was only, i think it was only it was one of those classic it was only supposed to run for like three years too so yep. uh yeah, well but... keep on okay. ripping r.i.p um but one of the one of the things we we you know it's you obviously want to see exoplanets it's the first time we ever you know truly um saw exoplanets right you kind of always speculated that they're there but kepler sort of allowed us to say definitively yes there are exoplanets so like other stars have planets which to me was you know I was a little shocked by that because I had just always, you know, when Kepler first launched, I remember being excited about it. But then I remember reading about like, because when the data started coming in, because what's it? It's identified like 3,000 or 3,500 exoplanets. And uh, yeah, the number's still growing. Yeah, it's still good because they have a ton of data they're just working through. But one of the things they can tell by the amount the luminosity dips is one the the size of the object and how close or how far away it is from its star. And there is some hope. I think they have spectroscopy too. They can say something about the atmospheres. Atmos- yeah. Yeah. But anyway, what, what they look for is, is if the planet is in the, the habitable zone, if it's in the Goldilocks mm-hmm. zone, which is not too hot, not too cold. Just right just so like we sit you know kind of right in the in the sweet spot right now and then the habitable zone being you're not too hot you're not too cold for liquid water so liquid water can exist on the surface of that planet mm-hmm. and we've identified a bunch of these sort of target planets that are in the habitable zone now whether or not they actually have water is a different story that's the the, the, the Carl Sagan you were saying about like to actually zoom in and you can say for sure if there's water that's you know a different question <clears throat> so that's what we look for when we think about life and, and we, we try and think about if something is habitable that's sort of the first step so what I'm here to talk about I, I feel like a like a snake oil salesman. <laughs> what I'm here to tell you all about monorail is that may not be 
the the only part of the story. And so that that's well, you mentioned on, something about the Trinity, so yeah, mm. you need three. It's like the Triforce. Uh, <clears throat> so basically, this this idea is that it it's not just water as the only ingredient. You you also need um, obviously the the atmosphere plays a role. Yeah, and land masses play a role as well so it's it's this connection between the land the atmosphere and the ocean yeah yeah so you can you can have an oven that can get to 350 degrees but until you put the right ingredients inside it you're not going to get a sweet cake yeah yeah exactly end of story all right see you <laughs> uh but the the main thing that that sort of connects all of those on earth today is friend of the podcast play tectonics mm. how's play tectonics doing it's good still going yeah good. slow but steady man slow and steady wins the race you know my my, my kids came in today they were playing outside <clears throat> they got dismissed early from school because of um the storms that were rolling through. Yeah. They got dismissed an hour early and it was sunny until about seven, seven. And then yeah. it, it hailed. There was wow. some hail and some rain for about 15 minutes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a little odd, but it, it, well, they gave us like 20 minutes notice too. It was yeah. Crazy. That's, I was mad because they gave us two weeks notice on my kids had a half day today, <laughs> but carry on so but anyway your kid it might rain <clears throat> but they were they were playing outside and they came back in and uh, they're talking about something and <laughs> i don't know yeah you got some great details in this story yammering so. on um but the one thing they were they were saying is that um like did you know hawaii is moving and i was like yeah no, i try and tell you this stuff all the time they're like, <laughs> you our neighbor, you know they, they you know the one neighbor they play with the kid he was like he was telling us that it's moving like two feet a year and i was like come on this is, you should be telling your neighbors this this is what i do what are you doing you're making me look bad uh, thunder man no i was like i'll go over and talk to that kid uh, Listen, it's actually 2.1 feet a year. Thank you yeah. very much. <laughs> First off, let's put it into metric. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I was like, yeah, no, you know, we're here on North America and Africa and Europe are moving away from us. And they're like, what? Mm. And uh, I was like, but it's really not that much. It's pretty slow. And I was like, look at your fingernails. It's about how fast they grow. And Evelyn was like, my fingernails grow really fast. And I was like, all right, it's still pretty slow. It'll be like think what is north america's like two and a half centimeters a year yeah and she's like that's pretty that my nails would be that long if i don't cut them and i was like all right you're missing the point get back <laughs> to play tectonics <laughs> so anyway the the idea here is that play tectonics you know is is the essential uh, element here and and you know i, I think the if you've if you've learned about play tectonics or if you thought about play tectonics or you teach play tectonics right this kind of makes sense and and you know without play tectonics you know or we don't really have the planet that we know but it it is it, it's in this idea it, it's interesting because it starts making all these connections and one mm -hmm. of the ones is that it allows complex life to, to, to uh, start to evolve. Because you can get simple life, say, just in the ocean. You, you can start getting... Right. There's, there's theories that there's simple life on Venus. There's simple life on some of the moons of Jupiter. Trying to find it on Mars. Well, that... Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's part of the, the story here is when you think about um <clears throat> well anyway I'll, I'll come to this in a second um so tectonic activity you know it it plays a, a, a really big role in um 
<clears throat> different geochemical cycles. And so one of the ones, one of the big cycles is that it, it controls or it moves around nutrients. It moves around yeah. elements. Are you hinting so, at the carbon cycle? Well, not even at, not even at the carb, be, even before the carbon cycle, like it, it's, it's moving around things like phosphorus. Yeah. It's moving around some of these essential nutrients that you, that you sort of need, need for, need for life. Um, Are we talking like, like volcanoes, like degassing from volcanoes and stuff like that? Or mountains building and then weather and breaking down yeah. and, and putting those nutrients into the water. Um, <clears throat> so that, that weathering is leaching the nutrients from the, the, the rock into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And that's going to allow, you know, these nutrients uh, are, are essential for, for, say, plankton and things like that to grow. So you have phosphorus, uh and, and weird things that you might not think about, like zinc and selenium, iron, um, iron, copper, cobalt, things that <clears throat> don't normally weather out of, say, the rock in the ocean. You're only getting them from continental crust rock that's being weathered and broken down. Ah, okay. Um, and so it, it's it's interesting. Because in, in this study, they, they, they argue that <clears throat> mountain building drives this and, and you see a lot of this leaching and you see increased concentrations of these elements during radiation events, especially like the Cambrian radiation, the Cambrian explosion. And you see low concentrations of these nutrients during um, <clears throat> during periods that that coincide with with extinction events. Oh, so let me like, stop you there for a second. Uh oh. Let me because let's 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 play around with this thought idea. Yeah. This thought experiment. All right, let's talk about the uh, the Devonian event, da, right? Da, Devonian. Yeah, that one. So one of the. Th- theories on what caused that that kill off was that this is the first time we actually talked about this in the podcast uh, a couple months ago i think uh but one of the theories that caused the the kill off in the oceans was there was some kind of anoxic event and the thought was that this is like the first time that we're getting like forests and we're getting like legit soil packages and stuff like that um, and this stuff is running off into the oceans and it caused like ginormous algal blooms and the oceans, there's evidence of the oceans going anoxic from this. So this kind of goes, that's the one event, ah. I, I, I guess the, you know, like I, maybe the, the exception to the rule where you have these nutrients coming in, but then it ends up killing everything off. Yeah. 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 Kind of like modern day or, or. A few decades ago, like Chesapeake Bay. Yeah, you call that uh, <clears throat> is that eutrophication when you get yeah. algal blooms that uh, kill everything else off, and then they die, and everything's mm-hmm. dead. Yeah, but you do get an explosion of life for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. So you well that that <clears throat> yeah you have nutrients that that pump in, and then they get used up. And if you're if you're out of nutrients to pour in, you can't sort of reseed that life. Um, so, if the the idea here is that if you don't have, if you're consuming your nutrients faster than they're being replenished, say through weathering, if if you don't have a lot of material that's uplifted, then then you're going to use it up quicker, and you're going to have sort of these die offs versus if you so then i guess so okay this and this is like the thing that uh we're saying like tectonics kind of fosters fosters life i I, that's sort of the idea i think here so then if you want complex life well then you gotta have you gotta have a larger planet so that because if you have a smaller planet 
tectonics is going to die off faster. Well, I haven't even I haven't even got into the, that whole idea about starting tectonics. I do okay. want to come come up with when tectonics started and, and sort of these ideas, um, <clears throat> and just sort of working through the ideas of <clears throat> of of how we're sort of seeding life at this point and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. Well, I mean. Because you just compare like like the Earth to Mars. Mars is tectonically dead. Yeah, because Mars is a lot smaller, mm-hmm. so it cooled off. But cooled off faster. Well, yeah. Let's. It's yeah. Let's not. Get, we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> let's stay on topic. Let's All stay right. no, on our formatted outline. Oh, it's so well put together. Listen, I love it when we go off on tangents because, let's face it, we do that a lot, but. When we do stay on our formatted outline, uh, it makes things run slightly smoother. So I'd like to thank our wonderful sponsor, The Formatting Formula, for sponsoring us as, uh, I don't want to say as always, because I don't want to be that cocky and assume that they're going to continue to sponsor us next week. But uh, The Formatting Formula, for all of your Word document formatting needs, formattingformula.com. Or if you want to teach yourself, they have all these how-to videos on youtube so you can just go to youtube forward slash c forward slash formatting formula and they can teach you how to do all this stuff on your own or if you're super lazy like me you just go to formattingformula.com and say like hey formatting formula i have x y and z problem can you fix it and uh, i'm not gonna lie they they haven't let me down yet so uh formattingformula.com but make sure you say the geology flannel cast saying all right, thanks, Steve. I, I I do want to come back to this idea about plate tectonics ending, but I, I think mm. we should save that for the end. All good things must come to an end. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We'll all right. Back to so, so plate tectonics so, turning on and turning off. So that so this is just one part of the story, right? So this is yeah. putting nutrients in. We also know that weathering the same process. Uh, there is this interplay between the atmosphere and weathering as well, right? So, like the the, the process that's pulling nutrients, you know, weathering out of the mountains. Um, the reason that happens is because of the rain is naturally acidic, right? It, mm-hmm. There's CO two in our atmosphere when it mixes with with rain, it, it turns into um, carbonic acid and so rain is sort of naturally acidic and then if you know obviously if you live anywhere near industry you have other sort of things that make it more acidic but um but but back in the day it's just always naturally acidic and then you know that's gonna put things into solution it's gonna break down these rocks you know it dissolves calcium that's in the rocks right and it carries that calcium out to the the oceans if that calcium um if that dissolved calcium uh lithifies and say into if it gets turned into i don't know if a sea creature stores it away to make a shell out of calcium carbonate and then that shell falls down and it gets you know, buried, it turns into limestone or whatever on the ocean floor, you're, you're sort of locking up some of this carbon and some of this oxygen. And basically this whole process is regulating CO2 in our atmosphere. And so you're taking CO2 out of the atmosphere and the way it gets put back into the atmosphere is through burning coal burning coal thank you <laughs> it wouldn't be a flannel cast episode if we didn't mention coal at it least is, once sorry i i wanted to get it in before jesse <laughs> I, i'm glad he did is basically through um subduction right so when when the plate when when the ocean plate subducts as it starts sinking it heats up and any water and any gas that's that's in that subducting plate, as it gets heated, it starts to vaporize off of the plate and go up into the overriding plate. 
So whatever it's subducting under, if it's a continent or an ocean or whatever, becomes becomes bubbly with, with those volatiles. And eventually, the, you know, those bubbles come out usually through volcanoes. And so we, we sort of balance this whole thing out where, you, where you, you bury gases and then you put them up and, you know. So, so that's kind of known. One of the things they're saying here is that um, <clears throat> plate tectonics has given us the oxygen levels that we have today. Hmm. Why, thank you. Yeah. So we all, so what do you know about where oxygen comes from? Like, tell me about the great oxygen revolution. Well, we can thank things like stromatolites for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what does, yeah. what does a stromatolite do? Do all the stromatolites perform photosynthesis? Yeah. They, you know, they were one of the first animals to, to throw the oxygen into the atmosphere. Is, is it an oxygen, animal? It's, it's bacteria. It's not a bacteria. Sorry. No, but uh, all right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and we still have this, stromatolites to this day. Yeah, we do. Shark, shark, shark Bay, right? Yep. Shark Australia. Bay and then the Bahamas. They need. Oh, uh, do you have them in the Bahamas? I did not know that. Pretty sure. So, so um, algae, which is cyanobacteria, it produces. So that's the story, right? You get yeah, photosynthesis. It produces oxygen. So early on, so we don't hit. We get oxygen producing cyanobacteria. Two point four, something like that. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure, but two point yeah, over it, two it, billion it, years ago. That's what we should. If we round. Yeah, two, uh, two point. I want to say two point four billion years ago. You start seeing evidence of stromatolites and whatnot. Um, but most of that initial oxygen. Like we don't hit oxygen levels. Oxygen in the atmosphere today is twenty one percent, and you yeah, don't hit. You didn't get like you didn't get high oxygen levels until like about a billion years ago, or so, a little bit. Not right? even even longer, even less than that, right? Yeah, it was. I, w- I want to say it was like it was like it was, end of end of Precambrian time. It was it was after. I want to say it's like Ordovician. Really, you, you don't hit like twenty percent. And you kind of blow past 20% into the Carboniferous, you hit 30. Um, but yeah, you don't hit 20 until you, you really don't hit it until the Ordovician, right? Because you. Yeah, two, uh, 2.5 is the Proterozoic. So I'm, I'm guessing that's when we're well, talking. I want to say, I want to say it's like, yeah, Cambrian and Ordovician, because once you get enough oxygen, you got to be above like 15 or 17% to start producing ozone. Okay. So ozone gets produced <clears throat> when you have oxygen in the atmosphere, it interacts with UV radiation from the sun and the UV radiation breaks apart the O2 into just single oxygens, which nature does not like single oxygens just hanging out. No, that's so bad news. They'll bond really quickly to other free, to other O2s and form O3, which is ozone, which is necessary because it blocks UV radiation from coming into the atmosphere. And this is part of the reason, or at least the thought is, that the production of ozone sort of coincides with the evolution of of plants and animals onto land. But isn't it crazy that the the thing that is breaking up the oxygen is also the thing that was kind of harmful to life, the UV light. Yeah, just And so it just broke up the oxygen, broke up the oxygen, broke up the oxygen. And then the oxygen is like, fine, we're going to just form these three oxygen layers. And now you can no longer get through <laughs> like, pretty, pretty incredible. Then if you also look at it, it gets even crazier because oxygen is very caustic. Like by itself, and yeah. and it's very very corrosive, and um, like just look at look at what it does to iron, right? Uh, at ox, uh, you know, oxidation, rust, things like that, and so it actually took life a while to be able to. It had to first evolve 
to be able to handle oxygen because early life, if it came in contact with the oxygen, poof, killed it. So the ability to be able to hang in the presence of oxygen is an evolutionary trait. Uh, it, it is, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's, it's crazy when you start seeing all these connections. So anyway, the, the story here is that early on, uh, real fast, the other thing too, I'm, I, I'm, maybe this is where you're going, but you can also view oxygen as a biomarker. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So, and there's, I, uh, I don't want to misquote this, but I, I've read something that if all life on earth just poof dies, that oxygen, you're not going to have any more free oxygen left on earth. It'll get locked up with other stuff. Huh? Yeah. I mean, I guess that sort of makes sense. Yeah. You got to produce it. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder how long it would take to do that. Cause most of it gets consumed today by bacteria and fungi. Yeah. I mean, we did have the formation of the BIFs three point seven billion years ago which is so this is part of that's part of the story here okay is that early on all of the oxygen that got produced is reacting with iron because there's because mm -hmm. there's no oxygen in the atmosphere iron is just soluble it's in solution it's just in the oceans and yeah instead of salt water it's iron water iron salty iron Salty iron water. Tastes terrible. Um, I wonder what the density of iron water is. Probably right around one. It's probably. Yeah, it's probably higher than one. Uh, yeah, because salt water is 1.003, right? Five. Yeah. Five. Uh, but and, anyway, yeah. so the oxygen, <laughs> you're producing oxygen. It gets consumed by <clears throat> basically this iron in the water. And that iron precipitates out all the oceans just rust and that's where we get the biffs the banded iron formation it's just iron is just precipitating out and so all of this iron initially so it's just consuming all this oxygen that's being produced and um so the idea here is that plate tectonics then you know if that was the end of the story the the, the that's that's kind of sort of the the end of it you have life but but there's you're not necessarily going to keep pumping up you're not going to allow oxygen to concentrate in their atmosphere unless you get um subduction that carries some of these iron rich rocks down into the mantle and what happens when you subduct is that you have those volatiles that are degassing off the seducting plate and they lower the melting point of the overriding plate. And so you're getting partial melting of the crust. And the, so you're melting rocks at lower temperatures, which forms magma and then lava that's um, less iron rich. It's essentially continental crust. This is how you form continents. And so continental crust, because it's less iron rich than when it's weathering, when it's breaking down, it doesn't have a high iron content that's going to oxidize. So the, when you're recycling these rocks, you know, you're recycling sort of the non-iron components. Because if it was just standard, like <clears throat> if, if you you know, you have all this iron that falls to the bottom of the ocean. If that rock then got put, put, put back up on the surface, the iron that was in it, as it broke down, would, would start to oxidize and suck oxygen out of the atmosphere. Ah. So the idea here is that without subduction, you, you don't have this, um, you don't have the ability to actually concentrate oxygen in our atmosphere. That, that allows us to get where we're at, to sort of get to, you know, the, the, the point where we're at. And, and so, you know, you start to see the, these interactions here between <clears throat> weathering of the rocks and, and 
affecting the atmosphere, either in terms of, you know, CO2, in terms of weathering, and I didn't even talk about the climate component, but there's a whole, obviously a climate component here. Um, so, so that's to get the oxygen, but what if your life doesn't need oxygen? Well, that's, that's a different story. I'm, I'm going with my data point of one. <laughs> which but is, even like uh, early earth didn't have any free oxygen. Yeah. And, and it was first, all very simple life. It was all simple yeah, life. But to yeah. get to complex life. You need oxygen. Yeah. You need so, that O2, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, part of it too is that like plate tectonics, just, just through redistribution of the continents, you affect where coastlines are, you break things up, you know, you get, you, you get a speciation that way. It was an allopatric speciation where you're getting isolation. Yeah. yeah Cause you have diff- different facies, different uh, depositional environments, different, you know, yeah. growth, growth environments. I'm not a biologist, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is that so the same get- concept that uh, when you get the, the isolation that, uh, the was it the smaller oh i hope i don't screw this up the smaller the island these things are isolated on the faster they evolve i think that's i think that's what back is was that i think that's what it is i think you're right yeah yeah like the galapagos you had like 27 different uh yeah you get you get more nut bearing uh birds that could crack nuts or something darwin's finches yeah finches thank you so there's people that have also studied this and I don't remember the results, but <laughs> they were looking at little like basically life islands inside New York city, like inside like medians of the, of the roadways and stuff like that. Like they have like grass, grass medians and stuff like that. And they were like, cause these insects are all isolated from each other and they isn't there, look at, like stuff like that. Isn't there, I think you were the one who told me this too. Isn't there a part of like the one cliff face of the Delaware water gap isn't there a little micro habitat of our micro ecosystem where you actually have some succulents growing because it's like on the side of the rock face, but it gets I don't think I told you that. moisture blowing up. I think it was on our field trip. I think you told the students this, huh? You gave a whole, it was one of, one of your more brilliant moments, Chris. And... I must've blacked out. I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So anyway, <clears throat> The, their whole idea here is that play tectonics plays this big role. One of the big sort of thought questions and, and the thing that I find, I mean, this is all very interesting and it is interesting when we think about like how we look for life and, you know, it's one thing to have an ocean. It's another to, to say, you know, how does, is that ocean changing shape? Is, is there continents? you know, are things moving up or moving down? And so that that's sort of the question about how plate tectonics on our planet operates. So I, I have a question. Just this is totally aside. I'm sorry, yeah. Jesse, for interrupting. But no, 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 no. When we have supercontinents, is there less biodiversity? Yes. Supercontinents are usually bad for life. Got it. Because um, so the, the more surface dry. area to ocean area, the better for life. Yeah, there's less coast. I mean, think about the you know, most life lives at the coast. Yeah. Interior of a supercontinent is usually pretty dry because yep. it's a big continental desert. And um, but in the in this case, you know, we think about Earth, and the, and there's some. It gets sort of the you start with the the heart of the question is when did plate tectonics start? Yeah, that's the million dollar question. And the so the answer is the start of the Archean. Yeah, yeah. Usually, yeah. When when was the the Archean? Yeah. Usually about a, a, a billion years after. Yeah, so the Archean was the Archean start four billion years ago. So it was probably a little bit after that because you have the late heavy bombardment, the three point eight, and that makes the surface molten again or semi-molten so you're not going to have plate tectonics if the surface is too hot but then do you also need 
the magnetosphere from like the inner core and outer core in order to make oh, all boy. this happen. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Probably you need. Well, you're gonna have convection. Would the you're getting convection oh, pretty early oh, on. I never thought about this, but would the late heavy bombardment turn off plate tectonics? Ooh, no. Well, maybe it had started, and then yeah. If, if, if it had you, started, then everything if you, melts. If you remolt those convections, yeah. What maybe maybe paused it would be a better term. It. So so here's the the thought is that <clears throat> the early Earth you have convection in the mantle, but. So there's vertical motion going on, but the, the mantle is, is, is pretty, if it's still really hot, that it would be pretty uh, mobile. Yeah. And so yeah. it's, it's not Lower really viscosity. gonna, it's not going to have the force to, to move the, the crust because the crust has started to solidify. So it's not yeah, going to have the early crust would have been, yeah, just like kind of like this, like an, the, the like the OG crust would have just been hypothetically just a, a skin, basically, you a know, skin. But if the mantle's too hot, it won't have enough energy, it won't have enough force to one move it or punch up through it to break it up into plates, right? And so, this is sort of the question if the if the earth cools, you know, how do you start? essentially how do you start subduction yeah i've got three i've got three possibilities for you what's cooler than being cool that's i mean ice cold that's that's the the, yeah no the first option is is outcast (laughs) was first put forth by that was for chris i laid it up there for him being down there in atlanta so (laughs) <laughs> this is this is just it just started the way it works today is that you have an area of the crust that got cooler than than relatively around it and it just started sinking down into the mantle and gravity and, and sort of the, the force of its sinking just allows it to be pulled down into the mantle just sort of standard subduction as we know it standard lava lamp procedure yeah yeah yeah. Now, the other is that you have a mantle plume, like a hot spot, mm-hmm. that has enough heat and energy to actually force its way up through the crust. Pops up and it splits the crust apart. Sort of classic hot spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The third and my favorite is. Sasquatch, Sasquatch, <laughs> something Sasquatch shoving the continents down. Yeah, basically, uh, some sort of bombardment—an asteroid punching a hole through the crust, disrupting the crust. If you have multiple, say, ah. bombardments, you create hot um, and hot and cold spots. Hot and cold that spot. way. Kind kind of yeah. You're you're just you're cracking up that outer shell. Okay. So, you know, when we think about plate tectonics, you should think about it as being both horizontal and vertical motion. Yeah. And they're all important. So, like, when we look at other planets, when we look at Enceladus, you know, the, the, moon, um, the moon of Saturn's moon, where you see, what is it, vent methane or... Yeah, I think it is methane. Yeah, vents, vents methane. You know, there, there's obviously some sort of internal processy going on, but there's there's nothing necessarily moving on the surface. And, and same with Mars. Like on Mars, we see we have Mars quakes, right? We know Mars is seismically active. There was just a 5.4 Mars quake. Like two weeks ago, last week. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so so there's things going on, but we don't we don't necessarily, you know, plate tectonics is sort of shut off on Mars. It's not really working, but Mars so, obviously has process. It's the largest volcano in the solar system is on Mars. So if 
plate tectonics is shut off. What's causing the earthquakes? Well, there's still subsurface processes. Yeah. But it's it's lost the heat, I think, to to move the serve to move the plates. So you still you might still have like say some some lingering mantle or core convection going. Got it. Got it. And so that's that's sort of the question. And so, you know, you start getting into haven't they also recorded moonquakes too? Oh, really? Oh, I might be wrong. You might be. So, you know, when we think about, so it starts leading to, we've seen moonquakes when it gets hit by an asteroid. Uh, or sometimes you, you see them from the gravitational pull of the Earth. Oh, okay. That would make sense. Hmm. Like some of uh, Jupiter's moons are basically being stretched and pulled based yeah. on their, its gravity. This is this saying uh, shrinking moon may be generating moonquakes. Hmm. I guess the moon is still cooling. Huh. It's not about the moon cooling and uh, just like a grape wrinkles as it shrinks down to a raisin. Wait a minute. This is what they see. They originally, that's when the, um, <laughs> one, of the like, the, one of the theories of before, like pre play tectonics, how do we get uh. mountains? Ah. So as, well, as the earth cools down and no, it has nothing to do with what I'm reading, but it just really made me think of that. Last time we compared a, a planetary body to yeah. a grape turning into a raisin didn't end up well. But, so ultimately the, 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 you know, the, the, the take home here is that, you know, plate tectonics, it, it drives so much in terms of how we, you know, how life on our planet operates. It, it not only cycles nutrients, you know, phosphorus and, and carbon and oxygen and nitrogen and uh, water around necessarily for life, but it also by, by shifting the continents, but by, by regulating atmospheric CO2, by telling us where coastlines are, splitting it up, taking it apart, it creates all the necessary components that, that allows complex life to, to, to evolve it. <clears throat> and so there, there was a pretty good quote f- from this and it, it was like, um, you know, life, life would, ex- you know, you can get life without plate tectonics. You can't get us without play tectonics nice so like not quite as beautiful as jeff goldblum's life uh life finds a way finds a way so like when we think about when we're looking for life versus say intelligent life or complex life Mm -hmm. you get into the question of you know what exactly should we be looking for so let me i guess that what this does is you take that goldilocks zone which is a zone, you know, a certain distance away from a certain intensity sun to have liquid water. Now you have to add all these other layers to make sure that you have a rocky planet that has plate tectonics, essentially. Yeah. So, you know, this I mean, be, the whole the whole episode. I've been I've been thinking about different scenarios in my head about what, what Jesse's been, been going off on here. And let's, uh, let's talk about the planet Venus for a second. Well, yeah. Yeah. Cause we, we can use, we can use Mars or Venus as, <clears throat> as our two examples because they both reside in the habitable zone. Yeah. But with play tectonics first, first you giveth and taketh away. I'm so, your Venus. I'm your fire. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Venus. So one of the one of the hypotheses on on what happened with Venus, we know Venus has uh, there's at some point went through this uh, runaway greenhouse effect. Venus is like super hot; uh, it can melt lead at the surface of the planet, and it's got a, a very dense atmosphere of, of carbon dioxide. So it's thought that there was 
thought that at one point there could have been oceans on Venus and it could yeah, have been pretty much just like Earth. Could they had, uh, uh, what did they detect in the atmosphere? Phosphine. Phosphine. Yeah. Phosgene? Uh, Phosphine. Phosphine. Yeah. Phosphine. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's uh, what that is. It's it's an in case the listeners out there don't know what that is. It's a it's an uh, it's a chemical compound that it's a it's a biomarker and it only it very 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 rarely forms inorganically. And yeah, so, so usually it forms from some sort of organic process, and they found it in Venus's atmosphere. Yeah, and and the thought is, well, maybe there's a. Uh, there might m- maybe there's microbes living in uh, the atmosphere of Venus, but so at some point there was, uh, or one of the hypotheses is that at some point there was some kind of runaway volcanism, like a tremendous amount of volcanism that just boom went off and then it hit this threshold. It dumped so much CO two in the atmosphere that it was just it just hit the the point of no return and it, it couldn't couldn't go back from that. And so some people kind of compare that to the uh, Siberian traps, right? Um, so Siberian traps is the, the volcanic remnants from what caused the, what was the driver of the worst mass extinction event on earth. Uh, and the end Permian mass extinction where 96% of life in the oceans died, 96, 90% of life on earth in general died. And so how close did earth come to hitting the point of no return, dumping too much, uh, CO2 into the atmosphere like Venus. So what's interesting about, I guess the whole point I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting at here is yeah. Plate tectonics can start complex life, but it could also take it away too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I would love for, say, you know, 100 years from now, we find out when that runaway event happened on Venus and see if it lines up with the end Permian extension, like 200, was it 252, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just, I don't know. And then, then maybe you can tie it to one of those cosmic events like, oh, dark matter passed through here. 252 million years ago. Uh, oh, that that's what I'm saying. You take one data point and turn it into two data points, and you can start to correlate stuff. That's all. What if you do take dates one from? data point? I'm going to turn it into two. Yep. That's all Systematic I'm saying. Static data, right? Sister, sister planet. Um, but uh, so I don't know. The, the question is how much, how much volcanism does it take to get to this? point of no return where you have just too much too much carbon dioxide and then runaway greenhouse Next super roasty know, toasty. it's out of control yep yeah so you know yeah you you get you can have runaway greenhouse and then ultimately <clears throat> your planet lives lives long enough cools off and it's going to cool off enough that you're going to stop that convection you're not going to have the the energy necessarily to move things around so what about end of tectonics well that's mars yeah that's that's when you cool it off enough that the surf you no longer have the energy to convect the plates on the surface all right so unless so you okay so so all right tech complex life is related to tectonics right but what if your complex life gets to the point that it doesn't even need the tectonics anymore? Yeah, I.e., humans doing their own thing and uh, jumping over to Mars, a tectonically dead planet. Well, yeah. I mean, you gotta have you gotta have a way to be able to get your nutrients in your atmosphere and your other. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of artificial work for what the natural processes do. But I see where you're going. Would that be like super complex life? No. Super. That would just be complex life doing it on a non-complex planet, I guess. Are we talking (laughs) super aliens? Is that what you're telling me? Super aliens. I like it. (laughs) All right. Well, I was... uh interesting uh 
Yeah. The story there, Jeff. Yeah, because we've definitely talked about play tectonics. Yeah. Several times on the podcast, all the way from podcast number one. Uh, yeah, that's right. Back in January of 2014, gentlemen. Wow. Yeah. Eight years ago. Put that in your memory banks, if you will. But uh, yeah, interesting. Basically, play tectonics. Thank you very much for uh, allowing the podcast to be what it is. Yeah, <laughs> right. Without yeah. you, we wouldn't be here right now. I guess. A shout out to play tectonics. Like yeah, Jesse maybe, maybe a little shout out to podcast. Alfred Wegner too. Yeah, I like to think he's still out there. Yeah. Still Roman, Roman Greenland. Yeah. Ice sheets of Greenland. <laughs> really long beard. I, I would like to, I would like to think that Greenland's ice sheet started to shrink <laughs> and his like hand is sticking out of the ice and he gets like struck by lightning, like Encino man style and like comes back to life. Oh, or like the, uh, the, the final scene in deliverance, the guy's hand is just sticking up out of the lake. Oh, no, way to go dark. <laughs> no. All right, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on that note, let's see one more. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> play tectonics. Oh, didn't we talk about this? Was what I want to say. Didn't we talk about on a on a previous episode that there was Wegner didn't have to die. There was like a what was what was the story? There's a bit of man. Oh yeah, back like... to help out his his buddies and yeah. Uh, they didn't even need his help. Yeah, I think that might have been a Patreon extra, but yes, yes. Uh, I believe Jesse led that discussion about his, like, he basically was going to stay there. He was going to send somebody else out to try to find a way. Anyway, that sounds, it, sounds- it, it, it didn't work out. No, didn't work out for the poor guy, but yeah. yeah. Sounds selfless. And I like it. Yeah. So let's not besmirch the memory of Alfred Wagner. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? So I don't this really podcast know. podcast is officially dedicated to Alfred Wagner. There you go. Yeah. God uh, rest his soul. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for being Patreons for all those Patreons who are listening live right now. Can you see this raw, unedited stuff? Uh, thanks to all our listeners, and uh, take care and brush your hair. I don't know. Yeah, check check out geologyflannelcast.com. Um, got some fun merch stuff up on there. Some flannelcast mugs, some T-shirts, stickers, a lot of fun stuff. Um, if you have, there you go. Steve is showing the flannelcast sticker that the podcast listeners cannot see right now, but he's holding yeah. it up. We have them. It's confirmed. That's just for our Patreons to get to see, get to see the video. There you go. You know, you got to tease them a little bit. Get to, they get to see all the sausages made. So to speak. Uh, I, I wouldn't put it that way, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what else we got? Um, if you uh, know the way to help out the podcast, um, you can go check out our Patreon site, patreon.com slash geology flannel cast. Uh, a couple different tiers on there. You can, um, uh, hang out with us while we record the episodes before and after the episodes. Uh, we got a really, really good group that uh, comes in every week. Um, so all that stuff there on uh, extra videos, extra Patreon material, all that stuff on a, a Patreon page. Um, and then check out our Insta page too, Geology Final Cast on Instagram. Yeah. And don't forget to tell a friend. Tell a friend. Yeah, it's... Uh meet uh meet a neighbor may yeah there you go that was terrible but yeah yeah um you can bond over the flannel cast yeah hey, just you you listen to this say, podcast you bet hey, i do you, you might I be a, slightly podcast. embarrassed like hey you know like i i you know i listen to this podcast and then before you know it you'd be like in this super awesome inner circle of friends who are like yes the new geology podcast just dropped yeah yeah and then you wake up and realize that that doesn't happen (laughs) all right chris it doesn't happen yeah all right anyways 
Uh, all right, everyone. Thanks so much for hanging out. Um, Jesse, what song are you taking us out with today? I, you know, I don't, I don't know who sings it. I know, I think the Violent Femmes did a cover of it. There's a, there's a song called Breaking Up is Hard to Do. Oh, uh, I, I see. I see. Okay. See that's, that's like a song from the 60s, right? Is it? Yeah. Oh, we got to find these people. Are gonna... <laughs> it it is I, a song from the 60s. Yeah. I'm not used to talking so much, so I didn't have time to go up into the old Segato. memory palace to pull a song. Got it. Sadaka. Oh, Neil Sadaka. That's how you say his last name. Breaking up is hard to do. 1975. Sudeikis? I think it's Sudeikis. Yeah. Neil Sudeikis. Yeah. Anyways, there you go. There you go. Check out that song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, one day we'll have enough Patreons where we can buy the rights to these songs, but <laughs> probably not. <laughs> I think you can play it if you only have like 20 seconds. No, right? it's like it's like eight. Eight? Yeah, it's like eight. It's some weird number. It's like eight seconds. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, anyway. when you sample it, if you will. So, all right. Thanks, everyone. All right. Catch thanks. See you. Bye. Thanks for stopping. Bye. <laughs>